Um, please stand for the reading of the scripture, which is from 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 6 through 8. Your boasting is not a good thing. Do you know that a little yeast leavens the whole batch of dough? Clean out the old yeast so that you may be a new batch, as you really are unleavened. For our Paschal Lamb Christ has been sacrificed. Therefore, let us celebrate the festival, not with the old yeast, the yeast of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So today I'm going to read to you from John O'Donohue's book, Anamkara. And Anamkara means soul friend in Celtic. And my identity as your pastor, I would like to extend the offer to be your soul friend as well, Anamkara. This poem is entitled, The Deer's Cry. I arise today through God's strength to direct me, God's might to uphold me, God's wisdom to guide me, God's eye to look before, God's ear to hear me, God's word to speak to me, God's hand to guard me, God's way to lie before me, God's shield to protect me, God's hosts to save me from the snares of devils, from temptation of vices, from everyone who shall wish me ill, far and near, alone and in multitude. So when we talk about our identities, a lot of us, especially in church, immediately go back to 1956 because that's the heyday of the church. That's when the pews were filled and Sunday school had a million kids in it and you had 87 teachers and everything was wonderful and the church was just the center of everyone's lives. I remember my mother going to the women's group and it was always a big social event for her. She was a stay-at-home mom and for her to go to the ladies' society was a big deal. And she would go to dinner, and they would have a meeting, and she would be out for the evening. Then you fast forward a generation, and the church that I attended as a young mother wanted me to be part of their UMW. And I went to two meetings, one of which was spent arguing over what color the placemats were going to be for the mother-daughter banquet, and the other one deciding whether or not they were going to charge for tables to be used at their craft fair. And I said, I don't have time for this. I just plain don't have time for this. If you're going to do something worthwhile, I'll be part of that. But if you're going to sit around and argue, I can do that at home. I had plenty to argue about at home. So the identity of that women's group changed radically. There's also another piece about our identity 
that has to do with what we see when we look in the mirror. I stand in front of the mirror every morning. I'm really glad there's not a full-length mirror in the parsonage, too. Thank you very much. But I look in the mirror in the morning and very often will say, who is that old lady? The picture of me in my head is easily 30 years younger and 30 pounds lighter. So what I see is reality. What do I like to see? Not that picture. Not that picture at all. I had a discussion with my son about, oh, maybe six months ago, because I've written everything down for my, you know, when I, when I die, I want everything taken care of because I've sat with too many people say, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. So I want them to know exactly what will happen, who to call, who not to call, who's going to do my eulogy, except we've got a race on that, you know, who's going to die first. But the thing is, I was saying to him, I've got this all written down, and he says, I don't want to know about it, Ma. I don't want to know about it. And I said, Jim, the truth is that I am much closer to the end of my life than I am to the beginning. That is the reality. Truly, I'm not going to live another 74 years. I'm real sure about that. So why, why pretend that something's going to happen? The same thing is true of the church. We spend so much time looking backwards that we forget that we're not the same. Nothing is the same in our world as it used to be. Nothing. I, for one, am not going to give up a remote control just because I want to go back to where the way it was. I don't want to get up and walk across the room to change a channel. I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to be tethered to the telephone. I like the idea of being able to wander around when I'm talking on the phone. My daughter's phone, a cordless phone, they, they live in the sticks so they, can't, they have no cell service at their house, which is really wonderful when they have teenagers. But um, their phone broke, so they found an old rotary phone in the attic and they plugged it in so that they would have a phone that would work in an emergency. My granddaughter was about four at the time, and she said, Grandma, come and look at this phone. You have to sit down, and you have to put your finger in here and go, it goes all the way around in a circle. Isn't it awesome? It's our new phone. <laughs> yeah, that's really awesome, Grace. But the identity of who we are. Anybody want to go back to driving, uh, you know, stick shift? on hills in the snow? No, thank you. I don't want to do that. Um, I think everyone should learn how, but I don't want to go back to that. I don't want to do things the way we used to do them. So why does the church get stuck? Why do we think that the only way to move forward is by going backward? If our identity is in God, if we believe that we identify with God, that God hasn't changed, we have, then why don't we just get on board with God? 
Churches have wonderful plans. I've read so many books about 12 ways to get this done and 10 ways to do that and five steps to increase your giving and 10 steps to increase your congregation, 15 steps to get youth in your church. But where's God in all of that planning? If we ask God what we're supposed to do next, chances are pretty darn good we're going to get an answer. Our scripture today talks about looking to the people who have taught us and building on that foundation. Building on, not crawling into a cave underneath it. We have spent enough time looking backwards. If I am going to be your soul friend, if I am going to be your leader, if I'm going to help you move to the next place that God is calling you, then we all have to be listening with both ears to what God might be saying. Sometimes in the chatter and all of the noise around us, with all of that stimulation, we can't hear God. I've shared with you that I'm an introvert. Now I'm going to share with you one more thing. I spend an inordinate amount of time in quiet. I don't turn the TV on every single day. Actually, I've only got this little itty-bitty, teeny-tiny TV that my granddaughters have made fun of. I have never watched TV. I've gotten to the point that I don't really listen to a lot of music when I'm trying to listen to God. But sitting in the silence helps me to hear what I'm supposed to do next. Trust me, if I hadn't been sitting in silence, I would never have said yes to Suda. If I had decided that I was going to fill my brain with all the reasons why I could not do this move, that would have won. But between Suda and a good friend, Grace and Matthew, you'll hear a lot about Grace and Matthew. Grace is a pastor in Chicago area. She's from Kenya. And when Grace was going to Vanderbilt to work on her PhD, she came to the Methodist Theological School in Ohio to spend the summer coming back from Kenya to readjust to the United States. One of my jobs when I was in seminary was to pick people up from the airport. So I picked Grace up from the airport and that was the start of a 25-year friendship. When Suda had asked me to come here, Grace had done a podcast with the seminary. And I texted her and I said, it was so good to see your face and to hear your voice. And that started this rash of texting back and forth. And she says, what are you up to? And I said, well, I just talked to Suda and Suda offered me a job in New England. And she said, well, take it. And I said, oh, I can't, I'm old, I'm tired. And there's too much to consider. And Grace responded with a prayer. God of old people, God of Abraham and Sarah, God of 
Elizabeth and Zechariah, God of Jane. Help her to listen to somebody else, to you, because Jane doesn't listen to bishops. Amen. That pushed me forward. That made me say yes. That made me say, okay, God, I'm not doing this by myself. I know I'm doing it with you. So when you talk about your identity, and I'm not going to give you an assignment this week, but I want you to think about this. Who are you? And whose are you? If you can talk about who you are, that you have this kind of a house and this kind of a job and this kind of a family and you have all of that, and you leave out whose you are, we all belong to God. But if we forget that part, all of this is just stuff. We have to bring those two together because it's whose we are that informs who we are. May it be so. Amen.